Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. So, so good. Um, I think by this stage, you know how glad we are that you are here. So, uh, like, we love having you guys and love having you guys with us. Um, this is, it's, it's going to take a little bit of, uh, as I said, uh, this morning's going to take the, the shape of sort of like a little bit of interview, but sort of land in some stuff of how this applies to us. Um, and I, honestly, I'm very, very, no pressure, but I'm very excited um, of you guys, us, us as a church family. I know that there's a, a few of us and, and probably and quite a lot of us that have tracked with your journey over the years through the 24-7 gatherings and different things. But it's so nice to have you here with us and sort of the heart connection. Um, it has been great to have you and your girls in our home. They, they're just the real deal and it's beautiful. Um, to, to have you with you. Thank you to our church family who have extended kindness as these guys have been about in, in getting a bit of time up the north coast and cars and all that. We just say thank you. It's lovely seeing the church um, coming together. So it's really good. So let's say there's people in here that know nothing. Okay. I know that we want to go down some sort of like little pockets that we want to explore, but if there were people in here that know nothing of your journey, of what you're doing, um, of what you guys are up to, of where you work and where you serve and where you minister, um, what would be the summary? What would be the summary of that? <laughs> Try and sum up the last 10 years in a couple of minutes, yeah. basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning. And just want to second what Rick said. Thank you all so much for your warm welcome. It's been amazing, the generosity, the the warmth, the Irish hospitality we've experienced here, and it's been a, a joy for us as we've heard wonderful stories about this community. You guys have been an encouragement to us. We've learned so much for years of friendship with these guys, and uh, just a, it's just an enormous honor to be here with you, so thank you for, for welcoming us in. So, summary, yes. last 10 years. Well, technically last 13 years. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah. Let's be precise. So, yeah. um, so Mary and I, we have three daughters you might have seen wandering around 12 year old Layla, 10 year old Sophia, eight year old Hope. We've lived in the Middle East. There's Sophia right there. Uh, we've lived in the Middle East for 13 years. So, we've lived 11 years in Lebanon. Uh, we lived in two years in Jordan before that. And uh, the obvious question is why, right? Why would we, would we raise our family there? Why would we, we set our roots down? There And uh, for us, the story goes way back, and I won't tell it in its full form, but many, many years ago, uh, God began to grip us with this sense of promise for the Middle East and for the Arab world in our generation. And uh, we, we formed a team uh, of close friends years ago around this, this belief that this was a historic time for the Middle East. Uh, that, that God wanted to write a new chapter of the book of Acts in the Middle East, and particularly among, uh, among Muslims. And uh, the beautiful thing is that uh, God has been faithful to that word. And obviously, we're a small, a very, very, very small part of this incredible story that God is writing in the Muslim world in our generation. 
in the last 20 years, in this, you know, in this century, more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus than in all of history combined. Uh, we've reached a turning point where the majority of Muslims who are coming to faith are being led to faith by other former Muslims who have encountered Jesus. And so God is doing something remarkable in our time. It is, it is absolutely historic. I grew up under this kind of question of, well, where's the book of Acts today? The book of Acts is alive. The church is alive in, in the, the things we see in the scriptures are God is the same. He hasn't changed. And, uh, and right now is a specific moment of awakening for the Arab world. So our place in that, before I get carried away, okay, pulling off the highway, uh, our place in that is that we, we believe God's called us, uh, first of all, to live our lives in a way where he can lead us to those people because he's the one calling them and preparing them, visiting them in dreams of, in dreams of himself, bringing them to a place of, of desperation and, and longing and searching. And uh, he does the heavy lifting, and we feel like our call is to be present in the community, to be engaged in a way where we can find those ones that God is calling to himself and to support them, equip them, believe in them, champion them so that they can become the Apostle Paul in this equation. We, we're, we're happy to be the Barnabas or even the Ananias. I'll be Ananias in the story. No problem. So we, we get to champion the Arabs that are coming to faith and to see them go to reach others, equip them to be disciple makers and community builders and, uh, and multipliers of the life of God in their community. So uh, and for me, that works. In, I'm, vocationally, I'm a teacher, lots of teachers in the room. I've met a lot of teachers in this crowd. Uh, and so I'm a teacher. I love the classroom. I love young people. So a lot of our work has been with, uh, with young people. And my wife here is a nurse. Taking it. Would you like to say something yeah. about that? So I'm a nurse, and um, when the Syrian refugee crisis started happening, um, I started getting in my car, driving the hour into the Bekaa Valley, and um, in Lebanon, it's real different than other places, but the refugee camps are just, um, the refugees have to make them themselves, and so um, there's no regulations, there's no one taking care of them. I mean, different orgs will help, but there's no, like, official refugee camp. And so um, I started going in and bringing anyone I could with me and doing a medical mobile clinics. So we would just drive into a, a refugee camp. I would ask um, if we could host, if one of them would open up their homes, open up their tent, and we could go in and see people. And so then as, as they would bring their sick, um, we had a little order to it, but they would bring their sick and we'd pray over each person. And what's amazing is that out of the now thousands of people that I've gotten to see, maybe I can remember two people who've, who've not wanted prayer, but they always want us to pray for them. So we're praying over them. We're praying for healing. We're praying for, like, miracles. We'll pray that um, if they don't have money, that God would bring money if they, their husband doesn't have a job. And so we start seeing God move. So from one of the clinics, we met a woman who was really moved by prayer. Um, she said, I've never experienced anything like your, what you're doing in front of me. And we started meeting with her and inviting her into a process of discovering Jesus. So we have a process that starts in creation and goes to Christ. It's a long discovery process for them. And in the process, she starts coming alive and, and, and discovering the story of Jesus. And so then she ends up uh, sharing with her neighbors. We're always inviting them from the beginning to be sharing with their family and their neighbors the stories of the stories of prophets and stories of Jesus. So she ends up sharing with her neighbors, sharing with her family, sharing with her kids. Um, and that was eight years ago or nine years ago, actually. 
And now this, this her name is um, Nahla, and she is a an apostle. To, to She's got over 200 women in groups. She's felt like the, the Holy Spirit gave her a dream about focusing on widows. So she will go on her own with her, like she's a refugee. On her own accord, she'll take public transportation. She will find widows all over, and she'll bring them the good news. She talks with them. She prays over them, and then she invites them on a process. So she's got women in Syria. She has women in Lebanon in different areas. She has a leadership team that Drew started to coach um, on what it means to be simple churches. Um, but when you hear her talk, I mean, you you wouldn't understand it because it's in Arabic, but when you hear her talk, it, it feels like you're reading some of the most incredible uh, when Paul goes on a, on a thing about bringing the gospel to his people and wanting to see them change, she'll go into these moments where, like, it's almost, like, I, I have tears in my eyes to hear someone so gripped to see their people reached with the gospel. So good. Um, Dave had journeyed for two years as part of a leadership course with Mary. I got to journey it for the, the next two years with Drew. That's the sort of level of connection that we've had and honestly as you were hearing these stories with people from across the world you were honestly whenever, whenever you're hearing all that was happening in Lebanon and it's not without its challenges but you were going the book of Acts is unfolding in front of us the book of Acts it's how the whole spirit is setting free reign and moving is unfolding in front of us before we sort of jump to the next point um, just to, to, to give another flavor we've talked about one strong apostolic leader in Nahla yeah um, the, the girl that you were talking about that came up through your classroom and sort of the yeah. sort of activist sort of voice within yeah. it, it sort of interchanges the discipleship and yeah. all things of, of that sums up really well what you guys are, are about in some ways. Yeah, could we? Yeah, we were talking about this last night, but uh, we have a, uh, a good friend. I, I might not mention her name just because she's, she's a little bit uh, of a public figure, but uh, about 10 years ago, she was... A, uh, a student of mine, so I taught her tenth grade English, <laughs> and uh, the uh, if you guys call what I speak English, I'm not sure if, if it <laughs> if it passes the test. But uh, I taught her tenth grade English, and uh, just as a student, was very she just stood out. She was a leader, and uh, but at the same time, there was some some real intense things happening inside of her, and, and uh, we at the school we create these spaces to essentially help students, sort of prayer, I mean, prayer spaces in this, in our school where we would help students who have spiritual, without any conditions, you know, they're coming from different backgrounds, different religious uh, affiliations, but we would have this voluntary club where people could come and sort of begin the journey of opening up to God, and we would read psalms, and we would play worship music, and, and just give them this kind of alternative experience of what it might mean to, to have a personal connection with God, and she just came alive in that. She's a musician as well as this sort of uh, very passionate academic, and began uh, just fell in love with connecting with Jesus as a worship leader, and uh, Mary began uh, discipling her along with her friends. Some of her, a couple, a little small group of them came to faith together as they went through this kind of same discovery process. She started coming out to uh, the to the clinics and with Mary and praying for Syrians. And fast forward, you know, now she's she's in the middle of her master's work in political science. She has uh, won all types of awards, 
but we were showing them a video. So Lebanon is in a political crisis, and there's a huge sort of generational shift happening and a lot of activism to see change, and she's right at the center of it. And it's so beautiful to see. We showed this video where she's, it's election night, and she's standing in front of this crowded, like, hall. I don't even know who they are, but, like, dignitaries, and she's giving this speech in Arabic. And, uh, and it's beautiful to know that the seed of the kingdom is in, is in that girl. And that as, as she contends for the future of her nation, this is a woman who's sat with refugees and prayed with them, and a woman who's connected with Jesus in worship, and uh, that, that those seeds in a completely different environment than the refugees that, that God is, wants to place people like that in the halls of influence. So good. Um, so in terms of the backstory, there is so much more to unpack. Okay, so we're going to sort of be jumping a little bit more into the present, but what we would love to give you the opportunity to is on Wednesday at 8 up in the glass space, there is a much more informal, relaxed environment over tea and coffee that you can come and, and question and explore and even questions around the whole um, global mission, you know, the, the, all of that stuff. So we want to give you that opportunity. That, and we know it's sort of short notice, but we thought it was really important for some people in the room that just wanted to unpack that a little bit and further. So that's Wednesday. 8 p.m. glass space. We would love that. So, Andrew, you've alluded sort of into what's happening in the current climate in Lebanon. Okay, there's a lot that's been hitting the news, um, a lot that's been going on. Um, how has that changed then maybe some of the focus that you guys have been landing on more presently if you're pulling up to date? Yeah, yeah so Lebanon went through a, a very catastrophic chain of events. 2019, we had, uh, we had a, a, a revolution, but that was kind of uh, happening at the exact same time of an economic collapse. So Lebanon's gone through one of the most uh, massive economic collapses in modern economic history. Um, so the currency has collapsed. People's livelihood has been destroyed. I mean, just the, the devastation uh, of, and downgrading of life has just continued. All types of crises, shortages, fuel. Uh, you know, the traffic lights don't work anymore. The, the government provides two hours of electricity per day. And that's just been a, a decline from 2019 till now. Obviously, COVID hits in the midst of that. People used to say we, were, we would be visiting back in America. How's COVID, the COVID situation in Lebanon? And it was a situation. It was very real. We had very severe lockdowns. And yet, it's just not, it's the, it gets, falls pretty far down on the list of the, of the just massive upheaval we saw. So in the midst of all that, we had an, uh, August 4th, 2020, the, the Beirut port explosion, uh, which was a couple miles from our house. And Mary will share more about, about that impact on her and what she does. Um, but it was just a time of, of total upheaval. And in many ways, you know, I think we're feeling almost like this sort of intensified version of what everyone feels. Uh, and uh, in the midst of that, it was a time for me personally of, of laying a lot of things down and, and not really knowing you know, having, having been in this work for 10 years and just watching, you know, I was teaching online, so a lot of the ministry with students wasn't happening. Some changes were happening in our team and transitions. And uh, just felt the need for a fresh word from God, uh, the need for, for a rekindling of faith, of, of, of direction, of, uh, of just to hear God speak. And uh, was talking to a friend of mine, and, and God did it. He showed up. We began, in, the, in the midst of lockdown, we couldn't leave our house the Lord began to speak about a, a renewed sense of promise, uh, something we call saturate vision, which is a vision to see every town, city, and village in Lebanon, Syria, saturated with the gospel, 
meaning in every town, village, uh, city in Syria, you, would fi- you could find a community of disciples who are making disciples. And it's something way beyond us. It's way bigger than any of us, but it was a, a, a thing to believe for and to, and to begin to invite others to believe with us for. And uh, so out of that, we've be- my, my roles begin to shift into to working with other missionaries, other workers, uh, to uh, other ministries, to begin to build a network that can partner together to, to raise up the local leaders that can, that can see a vision like that come to pass. Uh, but the beautiful thing is that, uh, honestly, I don't, have the, I don't have the influence to do that. But we, as we, we decided to pray every day uh, during lockdown and to get on Zoom every day because we, we, we couldn't do much else. So it was partly, partly it was a mental health, uh, you know, coping. Uh, but to get on Zoom every day and to ask the Holy Spirit to speak around this, this promise of a, of a saturate vision. So we did it. We started to invite a few others to get on the call. We were doing that. And the Lord began to give us promises. And one of these promises came from, from Jeremiah 3. And, and it, the Lord says, I will call them one from, a, one from a clan and one from a village, and I'll establish them on my mountain. I'll give them shepherds after my heart who will feed them with knowledge and understanding. And felt this sense that, that the shepherds that, that were going to fulfill this vision, they're out there in the community. But that we... Uh, but the, God was the one who was going to call them out. And sure enough, as soon as we came out of lockdown, God began to connect us to the most remarkable people that were coming to us and saying, hey, I, I've, God's put this thing on me to reach my people. Will you help me? So maybe a small story of that is, is my friend Jamal, who is a, rep, is a refugee. He's a Palestinian Syrian. He lived in, uh, he was fought in, for the Syrian regime. He, he was tortured underground for weeks at one point because he tried to desert the army after eight years of being forced into fighting. Uh, he finally fled. He ran on foot over the mountains into Lebanon and just, you know, he wanted to try to get his family out. He was a d- devastated man. And about that time, he started seeing ads on Facebook for Jesus. He starts clicking on these ads, starts reading stories from the gospel, and says he described that something in him started to melt inside. Uh, he reaches out to different ministries that are doing online stuff, and someone connects him with me. He lives a few miles from our house, and I'm sitting with him, and he says, I read about Jesus calling Peter and saying, you're going to be a fisher of men. And I say, could God do something like that with my life? Could my life have that type of meaning? Uh, he said, before I met Jesus, my life was pain. He starts crying. My life was pain. But with Jesus, I found a beauty in my pain. My pain has a purpose. And Jamal has, uh, you know, last year we got to baptize Jamal in this 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 amazing mountain river. And he came up and he's immediately sharing with friends and family about his faith. He's building, a, he's, he's got a num- number of home groups in his, refu- his urban refugee camp where he lives. And he's, a, he's one example of, of a number, and I believe God will do more, uh, where we can say, man, I didn't do that. Jesus did that. He called Jamal, one from a clan, one from a village. And now Jamal is becoming a shepherd to his community. Uh, and so that's a bit of what we've seen. And, and in the midst of the shaking instability, we've seen God move in a degree, seeing breakthroughs that we prayed for years for, just seeing the, the activity of God at a level that we've longed for for years. Yeah. Can, can I jump in just for a second? You know, you're sort of going to move into that sort of area of instability and sort of what happened, but just to hijack for a little moment, some of the picture of what Drew is, is painting around saturate, and that's a really key 
if, if you're sort of looking through going, God, what do you want me to pray for these guys? This is a key one that is, is so important that we get behind in prayer. Um, can you line this up whenever you hear us talking about Tabor? And it's a very different context, but it's this sense of interconnecting people so that people can be supported to bring the kingdom of God to where they are. So if you have been struggling to imagine what Tabor is and what the point of it is in this story and of where these guys are and, and what they're beginning to see happening, there is a desire and a longing within our hearts and the sort of parallels of that. Yeah. Mary? Yeah, so right after the Beirut explosion, um, like I'm a nurse, I like still always want to like respond in disasters. And so um, I grabbed my local Lebanese like disciple and we were just praying and walking the streets. And first I was doing first aid and then started going into homes and seeing what were the um, what were the biggest needs? And there was tons of like different NGOs, but what we what we prayed and what we felt was that we were supposed to follow the Holy Spirit. We were supposed to love and listen, and that we were carrying Him. That other you know other international NGOs might be in a different mode, but that we were supposed to walk into the homes and just kind of hold space for this insane moment in these people's lives. Um, and so we started going into these homes, and it was so beautiful what happened and we would sit with them they would tell the story we'd pray over them we would hold them as they wept then we, we tried to do it where we'd go for, like in four different visits where we'd come and we'd listen then we'd come back we'd share scripture we'd come back we'd share a testimony of jesus and that in the area we chose is a is a really um poor neighborhood it's mostly it's like nine it's mostly muslim and it's lebanese and syrian um, but they were just devastated. They lost everything, like every single thing they lost in the explosion, like all their electronic uh, blew out. So they, had to, so they had to lose everything. So in the middle of that, we reach out to anyone who's on our prayer team, prayer list, and say, hey, we need some money so we could start helping them just in a one practical way. We could give them like, you know, a, a refrigerator or an oven, you know, one thing. And so people respond, people start giving us money. And then the 24-7, at the 24-7 gathering, uh, we get an insane offering where we get a huge amount of money that we can then help even more. So it, what, it, what it enabled me to do is to, to expand my team. I brought in Lebanese young people who were Muslims who love Jesus, who've never done ministry. I had other people who were um, fired up Americans who don't speak any Arabic, and I started getting them on teams, and we went into these homes, and we prayed over people, and we shared Jesus. Um, and it was really a beautiful, beautiful moment and out of that, we started asking the community, okay, what is the thing you need most? Like, what's the thing that would, that would like, give it, what gift could we give this community the most? And shockingly, they all start saying trauma healing, which is, like, so shameful for an Arab to admit. They would never admit that. But all of them are so traumatized that they're asking for trauma healing. So I um, got my small team of Lebanese young people trained in some trauma healing, like a very basic trauma healing Bible study set. And we started going into the area and inviting people into these trauma healing Bible studies. Now, I thought that I might have 10 or 15 people go through it. But the first time, 40 women show up. And I told my team, don't worry. This happens a lot. They think there's free, like, they think there's going to be food packages. Or they think, so don't worry. It'll, it'll, it'll peter down to about five. And that's great if we have five people. Well, every week, 40 women are showing up. And more are coming. And they're asking, hey, when are you doing the next sessions, you know? So we end up putting over like 100 women, 90 to 100 women through these Bible studies. And, um, and the men were a little bit more shy, but the women are going home and sharing with their, with their husbands. 
And so the first set is trauma healing. The second set is forgiveness. So I wanted to share this one story because it's just so powerful. So I have a friend. Her name's Fatima. And she started coming to the trauma healing um, Bible studies, and she was so traumatized. She's from Syria. She's experienced some horrible things in the war. And then she had now experienced the explosion, and she really was a shell of a person. And we're doing these Bible these trauma-informed Bible studies. They have to act. We, there's all these different elements to it. And I'm watching her, and every time we kind of get to the scripture part where we share something, her eyes are filled with tears, and she's just leaned in. She's just leaned in. And when we get to the stories of Jesus, she's just like, and then she starts telling testimonies that when she would go home and she would, like, pray for things that, th that God would heal her or change. So um, then we get to the forgiveness uh, set. She wants to do the forgiveness set. And um, we get to a forgiveness lesson, and she says, there's someone I could never forgive. And so I, you know, I just can't, I can't do it. I will never forgive this person. They've done something too horrible. And so I said, uh, you know, it's a journey, and let's just see what, you know, God can do, but it's a journey, you know. So the next week, she comes back, and this is the same group of women. It's only eight at the time. And she says, um, you guys are never going to believe what happened. I can't explain it except for it feels like the Spirit of God came upon me, and I, was, and I forgave um, this person. And then she said, but I have to tell you what they did. It was my cousin who was my best friend, and she had been in my wedding. We were best friends. But during the war, she moved to Damascus, and she came back in the, you know, a couple years later, and we spent three weeks together. She was with my whole family, and then she went back to Damascus. Three weeks after she left, uh, the, the regime, the government, came and bombed all of our houses, killed my father, killed my uncles, and she was a spy. So she got a lot of money, but she killed my family. So I had told everyone I will never forgive her. But she's like, but God released, like, released that from me. So then she's like, so then I called her, which I've ne I haven't talked to her. And I told her, um, I want you to know something. I forgive you. And she just starts sobbing. And she says, how can you, how can you forgive me? How can you forgive me? And Fatima said, it's nothing you've done, but it's a work that's having, happening in my heart. It's a work that's happening with Jesus. And I'm doing it for my own healing and so that I won't have any more, like, poison in my heart. And, uh, and the cousin said, can you tell me more about this? Now, when Fatima shares this in a group of Syrian women, right, you know, they all just, it was like the Holy Spirit just fell. And this woman says, I need to forgive my husband. And this woman says, I need to forgive my mother-in-law. And this woman said, and it was like the faith that was released over this miracle of forgiveness just went into the hearts of, of the women. And so I've watched Fatima starting to, as she began her journey with Jesus, she has become someone who was so traumatized, who was so shy, who was so always in her home, to now she's leading groups. She's sharing Jesus with others. She's now become kind of a pillar in the community. All the women know her. We're in her home all the time. She will boldly tell Jesus to strangers. She'll pray over someone she'll meet in the hospital. Someone's waiting in the waiting room. She'll go up and pray over them. And, and to see the transformation that, that Jesus gave through that forgiveness and through that healing has been incredible. So that's, again, like something that we're coming behind and just and, and wanting to, to, like, support and help her. And one last thing is these women that have been really traumatized, one of the other places we wanted to help is um, because Drew said the economy has been crashing, like how could we even help them with income? So we started a small sustainable business, like art, trauma-informed art uh, 
therapy thing with them, and I brought some of their um, purses and bracelets and things they're making in the back. So I'd love for you guys to check them out. And, and as you, if you buy them or wear them, just be praying for these women that God would root them and establish them in his love. I sort of want to deep dive into that one a little more. I know I'm looking at the clock and I'm not allowed to, but this is why Wednesday night's important because we can come along and, and hear more of this. Like the power of forgiveness in a community that we are part of, like these are the stories that, that, we, that we need to hear. Um, before we sort of transition into, okay, what's it, what would you speak in to us? Can you give us a couple of like, how do we connect with you? So people are sitting here Wednesday night, eight o'clock, last space is one. Yeah. Um, what other ways are there? Are there so we, in the back table, there's going to be the, any crafts you want to buy. And then we have us an email sign up list and then maybe. Yeah, the script on the screen. Yes, there it is. Yeah. So we have just, um, we would love for you guys to pray for us. So we have like, regular prayer updates we send. We have prayer teams. Adam's on it. Not as regular as we'd like, but we try. <laughs> we try. Um, but it's really, okay, it's really amazing to have people even just send one email back praying for you or a scripture. So if you want to join our prayer team, we would love that. And then we also send more like quarterly updates, just what our, what God's doing with our, you know, with our family. So you could email us this or there will be a sign-up sheet you can write your email on. So those are the main ways. And then there are a few booklets if anyone wanted with some stories and pictures and so a couple of other practical things. The, the um, card machine is available if you're looking to get any of the, the stuff, you know, so that, that is available. Um, the easier way, uh, Drew will appreciate me saying this, so rather than you writing your name on the sign-up sheet and him adding 100 email addresses, <laughs> the easier one is that you take a screenshot of this and you just ping them an email and he hits add and that means your address doesn't get confused and all things. I feel so loved, Rick. Thank it's you. Good. It's good. Always got your back. Always got it. <laughs> so let, let's shift into, okay, all of everything that's, that, that, that's going on and I know you've, you've been about us a few days but you've also journeyed with us for much longer. Um, so what, what would you land with, with us here? What, 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 what is that? What do you want to? Yeah, the, uh, I, it was interesting um, we, we landed here, I landed here in Ireland at, on Wednesday night, was at a prayer meeting in, in Porta Down, which we understood as a totally different word hearing it through an Irish accent for years. Porta Down? Uh, but, uh, we were at a prayer meeting there and were, and the second I walked in the room praying, just felt something over, over your, you all as an extended family and, uh, immediately thought of a, of the story of the, don't worry, the story, it's a, it's a, it's a good word. Uh, but but the story of the Gerasene demoniac, and you know here's the story of uh, yeah sort of a a a bit of a of a botched mission trip with Jesus and the disciples. You know they uh, they go and land. You know on this they cross the sea. There's a storm. Jesus has to calm it, but the disciples sort of fail the test there. They all panic. Uh, they land and this very troubled person comes out and tries to run them off. Jesus sets him free. But then it disturbs the local economy because the spirit goes out of him into the, into the pigs. The pigs run off the cliff. And, uh, and then the locals all say, leave. You need to leave now. <laughs> but, and so we, we look, if that was your mission trip, if you had like raised money for that one, you'd feel a bit bummed, you know? Um, and the, but Jesus, the, the, the garrison demoniac actually says, hey, I, I want to come too. I want to join this, this very cool thing you've got going on here. 
And Jesus says, actually, no, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I want you to stay. And I want you to tell this community around you everything that God's done for you. We fast forward a few chapters later, and they return to that area. But this time, the community's waiting for them. And they bring out their sick, and they reach out. And something has happened through this person that has transformed the openness of the community. And, and I felt this, this word over you all, that you all have, uh, that there's a grace on your house for the, for the Gerasene demoniacs. Uh, that, that there might be situations that, like in, in your lives as you go, that there are these, uh, these moments to bring the kingdom. And they might feel like small insignificant moments. They might feel like a moment to pray with someone or, or to share with someone who, uh, yeah, who, who that doesn't, it doesn't feel exciting. It doesn't feel dynamic. It's very local. It's very, might feel very ordinary to you. But, but you never know, you know, just like this, you know, my, my friend Jamal, this broken, traumatized man. And yet the thing that Jesus has, he's turned out to be the one that Jesus has used to then reach his own community. And I want to, I want to encourage you guys that I feel that over you, that you, that, that you're a community that, that love your, you love your, your, your area, your city, your, I don't know what you call it, your, your area. <laughs> and, um, and that God wants to use your community to, through the transformation of these individuals, to then send them back to become vessels of change in the communities around them. And I, and some of you might actually be the former Gerasene demoniac. Some of you might actually, and, and, and Jesus might be speaking to you in this season that, uh, you know, another, another, sorry, real quick, another, another image from scripture that the Lord's been speaking to me out of a lot is, uh, you know, there's that moment where, where Peter says, hey, or Jesus says to Peter, throw your, your net in on the other side. And Peter says, well, we've fished all day and we've caught nothing. But if you say so, and this time, the net is full. And I feel like that, I, I feel like I'm living that story. We spent 10 years praying for certain things, trying certain things, didn't work. But then Jesus says, throw your net in again. And, and, and some of you might actually, it might be way back in the past, but, oh, sorry, I'm very sorry. Uh, but some of you might actually be the former Gerasene demoniac, and you can see where Jesus delivered you. And maybe you tried to reach out to the community you came from, uh, and, and it felt like there's no fish there. But just feeling a release of faith that this is a time of harvest. This is a time to renew our faith that we are the seeds of transformation in the communities from which God called us. And that the call might for some of you be to go to some other country, but the call might be Jesus saying to you, go back to your family. Go back to the community you came from and tell them all the amazing things that God has done for you. So good. Mary. I got one. <laughs> Um, I would say that I feel like I stand. Go for it. Mary. Okay. Go. I Watch out. So, I know. Um, I'm so impressed with like the health and the, and, the, and the way you guys are Jesus. Like I feel emotional. And the picture I had in worship is that there was all these like irrigation systems in place with the way you serve one another and you serve your community and all these incredible like NGOs and, you know, mentoring programs. But I felt this new life. Like it was almost like electricity was going into the irrigation uh, systems, but it was actually going to burst them. There was going to be some burst into new areas. And what I would say is in the times of great shaking, like right now, like the whole world feels like there's a shaking with the instability, the anxiety, the mental health issues, COVID, all this stuff. And and, and just that we're going to release the faith 
that when Lebanon is in this great shaking, that when we go in and we take kingdom risks, when we start prayer walking, when we start going into areas that no, that no one else would go into or they're really broken or you know, more like dangerous areas, that when we walk into those places, that the Holy Spirit comes in a way that we've never experienced. So I want to like exhort you guys to not only be faithful in what you're doing, like Drew's saying, that, and that there's going to be some new power and electricity in those systems, but there's something about taking risks, that in this season of shaking, okay, Father, where is a risk I can take? Where is a new place I can go? Maybe it's just an area near you guys, an, a neighborhood near you that has been on your heart or Father wants to lay on your heart, and it's as simple as going and praying for people. It's as simple as going and listening to people, but we're carrying his presence, and he wants to shake things up and take new ground. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So I know that time is gone, but I actually, in this moment, I'm not that bothered. If you need to leave, you have full permission to go. Okay. Full permission. Holly's going to come up. We're going to, we're going, Holly and Naomi, we're going to, um, we're going to worship together. We're going to be in the, the posture of Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me in this moment? But there are some people in here, I hope, because I don't know how you listen to that and not. I hope there are some people in here that are going, my, my heart is burning with this. My heart is burning with this. You're hearing the international story and your heart is burning with the international story. It's like, God, I think you're stirring something in me to move beyond these shores. Okay, But for some others, it is the right God, you're telling me to stay here, but I have to stay differently than I am presently. My staying here is not just a marking or a waiting out. It is actually a staying with purpose and with risk. And God, where is the burden that you're placing on my heart locally that you're saying, I, I need to go and I need to do and I need to move. So can we stand together? Can we move into a space of saying, God, what are you saying to me in this moment? And can I, I just... Like, I have a longing for these guys just to get their hands on you and to pray over us as a community. So please do not miss the moment. Do not miss the moment. Please um, come and be doing that. They're going to be down here at the front. Don't leave them hanging on their own. Get up around them. Let them pray with you. And let us um, minister and enjoy the presence of God together. So, yeah, please move. Stay. 
So this morning, it's, it's been brilliant if having uh, Drew and Mary and their family with us. And you know, we've often talked over the years, this is the language we've been using, we've had a sense that the Lord's been calling us to be a family on mission. And it's great having a, an example of it this morning to inspire us. And really what we sense the Lord's doing even in this season is that he's painting a fresh imagination for what mission looks like globally, locally, and then amongst us. And so I'm just going to just pray, just to close us this morning. If you want people to pray, if you want the guys to pray, we still want to leave space here at the end. But off the back of this, you can go and get your kids and, and bless you the rest of us. So let me just pray for this. Can we stretch your hands out towards Mary and Drew as well, will you? We just want to pray for them. Father, we thank you for, for Mary. We thank you for Drew. We thank you for Layla. We thank you for Sophia. We thank you for Hope. We bless this family this morning. We thank you for what they've carried into our presence this morning, for the grace and the anointing that you've placed on their lives. But God, we just thank you for the deposit that they've left here as well. We just thank you that through your spirit, what you've deposited here. And I thank you for the seeds that have been planted, God. We thank you for what you've spoken into our church family this morning. And we just pray life come out of this right now. We pray that fruit would come out of this, God, in all of our lives. God, as you call us, a fresh God to be engaged, God, and part of your mission. God, give us a fresh imagination, a fresh hunger, a fresh desire, God, for what that is. We just pray and release this amongst us. God, we just pray your blessing over our church family this week. We pray life and health and peace and blessing over each person that's here. But God, use us for your kingdom and for your purpose and your glory this week, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Again, listen, we're going to leave in space here at the front. If you want the guys to come and pray with you this morning, please come up to the front. Wednesday night, come and get around them. Be inspired from their story as well. But bless you this week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.